A lot of time when it comes to wealth, we have emotional attachments to them, whether it's fear of not getting it, whether it's guilt for having it, shame about whether we have it or shame about the fact that we don't have it. We're stuck in fight or flight. And not only does that start to affect our health and like our physical bodies, but it affects our day-to-day -day life, our relationships. So when we understand that there's basically two modes of our nervous system, we wanna be able to regulate between the two. We can't process more than three emotions at once. And so what happens is they split and get stored in our body. So while we think, oh, I was angry and the anger got stored, maybe it's anger, frustration, and also a bit of sadness is what happened. So because we can't process them all at the same time, your brain literally is just too much for it to go through. My name's Mimi Bouchard, founder of Superhuman, the transformational app that helps you become your future self so that you can finally start attracting more joy, abundance, health, wealth, and love into your life. And that's also my mission on this podcast. Meet people whose lives have been transformed in big and small ways, but always for the better. They tell me how they did it so that you can too. Liv, you are a multi-talented person. You are a podcaster, coach, mentor, naturopathic doctor, Akashic healer. But if you could only pick one way to describe the actual work you do, what would that be? Oh, wow. That's a great <laughs> question. I think it would probably be healer. Because if we think about it in any aspect of what I do, I really help people heal back to themselves. So whether that's health-wise, in their relationships, in their money beliefs, in their business, maybe a fear of being seen, it's really about bringing you back to who you are and allowing that to come through by letting go of conditioning, emotions, trauma, et cetera. So what's your favorite you. part about your job? Giving people their life back. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like so often when it comes to nervous system work or things that are holding you know, people back to see them on the other side when they've been cracked open and they've been brought back to that person all along. It is so deeply fulfilling and the joy and the freedom that they feel in not only their bodies, but in their life is truly like so profound. It sends goosebumps down my body. I'm getting shivers down my spine right now. It is next level besides all like the physical things to me. It's, it's about that feeling for people. Beautiful. So you talk about the nervous system a lot. Let's start off by describing what constitutes our nervous system. I love the nervous system because it really rules basically our whole life. So we have our sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight, our flight, our survival mode. And then we have the parasympathetic, which is very calm, rest and digest. Problem is, is that a lot of us are very stuck in that sympathetic mode. We're stuck in fight or flight. And not only does that start to affect our health and like our physical bodies, but it affects our day-to-day -day life, our relationships. So when we understand that there's basically two modes of our nervous system, we want to be able to regulate between the two. So while the sympathetic, the fight or flight, the survival mode sounds kind of bad, it's actually good for us. Like We do need some sort of survival mode to keep us safe. That's why we have it, right? When we thought we were running from tigers, you know, back in the day, that's what kept us safe. So they're both useful and they both have their place. The problem is, is that so many of us get stuck in that survival mode. We get stuck in fight or flight and we're not able to regulate into that calm place. And then we can't digest our food properly. Then we get our physical symptoms. Then we get sleeping issues. We might get trouble in our relationships. We're just living in a very chronically dysregulated state. 
I couldn't agree more. And I feel that way in my day-to-day life often, as we were just talking briefly off air about all the crazy stuff that can happen when you're running a business. It's constant stress, fight or flight. How can someone that is living a modern life regulate their nervous systems that they can get to a point where they get bad news or an emergency happens and they understand how to control their nervous system? My answer is like twofold. Number one, while a dysregulated event can happen, that doesn't mean it has to dysregulate your nervous system as we know. So oftentimes we have too many things that are bombarding our nervous system in this like modern day. We have so many notifications, so much stimulation that our nervous system hasn't actually evolved to the capacity to deal with all of that stimulation. So even when we think like, oh, I'm scrolling Instagram, I'm not getting dysregulated, we are still processing a lot of information. Your nervous system is still having to decipher, is this a danger or is this safe? Through everything that we do. So if we can actually have less stimulation, that alone is going to help your nervous system so much deal when things actually do happen that need your attention because it's not still backlogged with the information it's trying to process from all the other stimulation that wasn't actually required. Mm -hmm. So the less stimulation that we can have, taking periods away from stimulation, and we all know about social media detox, but I find understanding how it impacts our day-to-day so that we're not, all right, on Sunday, I have a social media detox. I'm not on my phone, but I spent Monday through Saturday getting dysregulated full of notifications. Can we actually make it so that you're a little bit less dysregulated and we don't need to actually manage it as much by taking a full day? Though definitely take a full day as well. Can we have less notifications on our phone? Can we not consume as much? Can we do eat our food and not also be scrolling Instagram, right? If The more we can actually break it down and be simple and have less things stimulating us, you know, the more we can not wake up and check our phones and automatically go into response mode, right? When you do that, your nervous system is automatically evaluating for stress and danger. Can we make up without an alarm? Can we have a more gentler process that wakes up our system? And I feel like a lot of us like know these things, but all of these little things create holes in the bucket. So if we think, oh, the notifications, they're not a big deal. It's fine. I cannot tell you how many entrepreneurs I have worked with when I've had them turn off notifications or only go in certain times to check email or check their team versus always responding night and day in their ability to get things done in their creativity. Again, you think it's small, but something like notifications going to be dysregulating. And then also thinking about where are you dysregulated right now that you need to set better boundaries. So do you need to set better boundaries at work? Do you need to set better boundaries in your relationships, in your family life? What do you need to do so that you're actually going into a space being regulated already, not having to always play catch up to try to nourish your system back? So do you need to take five, 10 minutes in the morning to ground yourself, listen to some things, and then move on with your day. Yeah. The less we can live in that response mode is going to be major. And I know one of my favorite ways is also like using frequency music, right? To really help regulate your nervous system because your vagus nerve, which is the nerve that actually helps you get into parasympathetic, it runs all the way up to our ears. So music is a very instant, like quick way that it actually impacts your brainwaves fairly instantly. So how about you listen to that in the car, you know, on the way to work 
or however you're going to school, whatever it is. There's all these little micro ways that if we can add them into our routine, we'll actually be a lot less dysregulated overall versus waiting till the end. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. eating healthy consistently versus not fueling our bodies the best all the time and then eating a salad once, right? Can we add in those moments? And I know on the Superhuman app, there's, I have a couple favorites, Angelic Peace. That one's really good. The frequency frequency music. Yeah. Yeah. Those are really, really good. Even if your brain is not processing any words too, just having Mm -hmm. that in the background, it's actually changing the cellular makeup of your body. That's incredible. Yeah, we have the frequency music custom made by this super talented guy in Europe. And he is so amazing. He's so into the different frequencies. And he actually puts the different hertz that help influence certain energies inside of you into these beautiful compositions. And I feel a difference when I listen to them too. I honestly need to do it more because you're just reminding me now, like, I really don't listen to the frequency music enough. And I always feel like, oh, I should listen to something guided, but it really does change your state so much just having it in the background. And it just helps you focus as well. Like if I'm working, I'll do like the concentration ones. And then in the morning, sometimes I'll back in the day more, but I should definitely start again, as I mentioned, but do more of like the manifestation ones and just kind of listen to it on the speakers. And it just makes everything so much more calm. It does. It, it, like music is so powerful. Like it, it really changes the yeah. way your brain waves are. So like there is scientific backing, as I'm sure you know. So that's like a little thing that you can add in, right? It doesn't require you to sit and like for two hours and meditate. And that's what I really want people to understand is that to have a regulated nervous system, you don't need to spend two hours a day meditating and saying kumbaya. Yeah, you can just have your frequency music as you're driving to work, or as you're working pick one for concentration or whatever it is. And adding in these little micro moments help your nervous system overall. Mm -hmm. And then of course, like the second thing is, can we actually let go of some of the things that are dysregulating us from whether it's childhood or whether, you know, everything that's happened in the last few years, what was going on in the world. And once we actually process that, I like to think about it like a cup that is more empty. You Mm -hmm. actually, when it comes to your nervous system, you want a cup that's more empty because then it can hold more. And so that's where we talk about like your nervous system having a larger capacity. So when we are able to actually process emotions and let them go, our cup gets bigger and we become more resilient people. You know, we've all experienced times where there's a straw that broke the camel's back and that one thing happened and then our nervous system just overfloods. If we can keep it more empty by actually processing things, then those day-to-day things when they do happen, because stress will happen in life. That's unavoidable. We're actually able to access our higher brain, which is a more like solutions-based approach versus going into fight or flight. And then we have like a lower mind thinking because our amygdala, our survival mode response kicks in. We actually can't think clearly and come up with a solution. That is so interesting. So what are some high-level kind of low-hanging fruit tips that you could offer the audience to help us regulate our nervous systems. Obviously, we can do in-depth coaching and therapy and all these incredible practices, but are there anything or is there anything small that we could all start today? First, like the frequency music that we talked about. My second favorite one that I love, and I love it because everyone has access to it every time, and that is your breath. Along with music, breath is the most powerful thing to change your nervous system state fairly instantly. And I'm sure we've all heard about deep breathing. You might've even heard of boxed breathing. 
But the one that has like the most scientific backing for your nervous system is what's called the cyclical sigh, which involves a long inhale. And at the top of the inhale, you do another short inhale, and then you exhale all the way until your lungs are completely evacuated and you can't exhale even longer. Anyone can do that anywhere, anytime. Yeah. So I was going to say, I heard about that on the Huberman Labs podcast and I've been doing it and it's life-changing. It immediately makes you less stressed. Breath is like so powerful. And like I said, no matter where you are, maybe you can't play music. You don't have your phone. Maybe you're actually in a circumstance that's dysregulating, whether it's a meeting, maybe a family event, you know, we've all had stuff with families. You're maybe like, well, I can't put my headphones in and listen to frequency music. You can breathe and no one may even know that you're doing it. And you have access to it all the time. So that's like a very right powerful now. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. You do it right now. And that's actually going to change your state of your nervous system. Right. The other one I'll add on, and it's another good one, but you probably don't want to do this maybe when you're in a meeting, is using your throat or like humming noise to activate your vagus nerve. So we all sing in the shower and everything like that. But what's even more healing for the nervous system is to breathe in a way that actually allows like your chest and your diaphragm to vibrate. And it's Mm -hmm. that not exactly the prettiest sound in the world, you know, when we're humming, but like that really, uh, and you can feel that like if you've ever done yoga or kind of chanting, Mm -hmm. you feel that in your diaphragm, that vibrating, that's activating your vagus nerve. You can do that in the shower, do that in the car, that kind of like low exhale going to activate that and really shift your system instantly. Those are like the three main things, like the breath, those two types of ways, the humming and the music, very easy ways that people can regulate their nervous system. Such amazing tips, Liv, that's so just actionable. And what if someone is having trouble remembering in those very dysregulated moments to actually do those things and, and they find that you know, the mountain is way too high to climb and they're already in this place where they're always stressed and it's just become such a conditioned response to the environment they live in. What are some kind of, you know, motivational words that you could maybe say to someone that feels like there's just so much to do before they Mm -hmm. get back to a place of calm and they might not remember to do these little things in the moment and they just feel like not motivated because of how big the feat of being calm again is? I think the biggest thing is that when you try to go from zero to a hundred, it feels like a big feat. It feels like, oh, I need to get all the way to being perfectly calm and Zen all the time. And that feels too big. It's like someone trying to say, all right, I'm going to be able to run a marathon by tomorrow. Like, of course, that's going to feel overwhelming. It's going to be discouraging because you might not well even start because it's going to feel impossible. Mm -hmm. But when you actually offer yourself more self-compassion instead of getting down on yourself for maybe not being perfect or down on yourself for forgetting, that compassion actually dissolves a lot of tension in your body, which looks like, I'm so sorry you didn't remember that you know your breathing tools today. I'm so sorry you got overwhelmed today. Mm-hmm. And like actually talking to yourself and offering yourself compassion because the number one thing about humans as well when we're healing our nervous system is that a lot of the time we just need to be seen in our experience. And so when you can see yourself in your experience, it softens things. It's like a little a little letting go. And then you can bring those things in. But by using that self-compassion, that self-love, et cetera, you actually allow your body 
to access like what we're calling with the higher mind instead of being more spiral or focusing on the fact that you can't get out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that angle of self-compassion, you know, treating yourself like you would treat someone you love. It's like, it's okay. Don't worry. You forgot to do that this morning, but you can turn your day around. We're all so, you know, conditioned to be so hard on ourselves and be so rough with ourselves. Tell me a bit more about this. How can you act more compassionate towards yourself? I know that you mentioned just speaking to yourself in a different way, but do you have any other tips potentially journaling or any other activities that could really help hone in on this? I think the most important thing is that it becomes more of a habit that you do semi-frequently than like worrying about like journaling. If you can add it into your day, like little moments of compassion, it's going to have a bigger effect than if you spend five minutes like in the beginning of the day, maybe journaling about it, but actually exercising self-compassion in those little micro moments is going to be powerful. And you might think, oh, saying it to yourself, but I don't want you to just say it in your head. If you actually take a second and you're going to slow down and you are genuinely going to say, I'm sorry. I know that's not like the funnest thing to do, but that is actually quite powerful. There isn't a more powerful thing to be doing for your self-compassion than to actually take a moment, slow down with genuine self-compassion and say it to yourself. Right. Beautiful. Absolutely. So tell me about emotions and how they get stuck in the body because we all hold on to so much and we do. You know, they obviously do get stuck in your body and it could even cause sickness. Tell me a bit about your your thoughts on that. So when it comes to emotions that are like repressed in the body, generally emotions get repressed when we experience more than three emotions at once. So we can't process more than three emotions at once. And so what happens is they split and get stored in our body. So while we think, oh, I was angry and the anger got stored, maybe it's anger, frustration, and also a bit of sadness is what happened. So because we can't process them all at the same time, your brain literally is just too much for it to go through. It'll split and store the anger and the frustration, and maybe you'll only feel sadness. So what I want people to realize is that sometimes there are like big T traumas, you know, abuse, et cetera. But there's also just little moments where you just experience three emotions at once and you couldn't process them and they get stored. And I think normalizing the fact that, you know, especially when we're young, we either didn't have environments where it was safe to show emotion. We also weren't taught how to properly process emotion And the conditioning of most people is that when someone's showing emotion, it's to calm them down. It's to stop them from feeling the emotion. How often do kids cry and we try to make them not cry instead of letting them cry and actually process the big emotion that they're feeling? How often do we see someone shaking or, you know, having an actual somatic response and we try to get them to stop shaking versus we're actually, you want them to shake. So there's all these little things that when you start to realize oh, this makes sense as to why I have like emotion stored in the body, then you can start to kind of peel back the onion layers, like I like to call them, and start one by one processing each of these emotions. But if you try to process all three at once, the thing is it's too much for your nervous system to process. That's why I got stored in the first place. So you really have to be gentle with yourself when it comes to slowly taking off one onion layer at a time to start to process them. And then of course, going forward, you know, when emotions do happen and you notice yourself start to shake, or you maybe you notice a loved one is shaking or you're a parent and your kid is having an emotional experience. 
actually encourage them to have the full authentic expression of that experience so that you can properly process it and it can come to completion. Mm, Great. Yes. So I'd love to switch gears here and move to the topic of wealth and money. I know you touch on this a lot. It's a very fun topic to touch on. You do something called deep wealth work. And in some of your writings, there's this one sentence in particular that strikes me quite hard. This is the line. Wealth has to be so landed in your body that there is no emotional attachment to it. There is so much in that sentence. I would love to break that down with you. I mean, it sounds so profound. I love that I said that. So a lot of time when it comes to wealth, we have emotional attachments to them, whether it's fear of not getting it, whether it's guilt for having it, shame about whether we have it or shame about the fact that we don't have it. And what that does is that creates a lot of entanglements, but it also creates pressure, essentially. And when there's pressure on us, think about it like a hose that we you know, put pressure around, then things can't flow. So wealth has trouble flowing when we put pressure on it through all of these emotional attachments, whether we think then we're going to be enough if we have it, whether we think we'll be validated when we have it. Maybe then our parents will probably be proud of us by, if we have it. We'll fit in with certain people if we have it. We'll find a partner if we have it, right? All of these things create kinks in our hose or pressure on the hose, which prevents that wealth, that flow to come through. Why does this idea feel so radical? (laughs) I think it, because it sounds, it's simple. And I think people don't like simple. It's radical because it is quite simple. When we remove the attachments, it it makes sense. Like, oh yeah, when I think about these pressures and this, what I'm putting on the hose, of course it would block the flow. But I think the problem is, is it can be so hard not to have that pressure because our nervous system has those emotions that are protecting us in some way, right? Because the reason we have such big emotions or we get into such a dysregulated state is because it is trying to protect us. It's trying to keep us quote unquote safe. And so relieving that pressure can kind of be hard. You're fighting against a primal response that's going to keep you safe. All right, let's take a quick break so I can tell you about one of my favorite health hacks. I am obsessed with how Organifi makes it so easy to figure out what you need based off of your goal. On their website, they literally have a shop by goal tab so you can find the products that will help you with your specific goal. So whether you want weight management, sleep improvement, energy, general wellness, or even brain health, you can go to their website and they can show you what will help. Organifi's products are pretty darn incredible. The quality of the ingredients that they use, they're 100% organic. And the fact that their products genuinely taste incredible is why I have been a consumer of their products for about three years now, very consistently. It is one of my favorite health hacks and my favorite products from Organifi is the green juice I have in the morning. Try the crisp apple flavor. It is so freaking good. I also use their vegan vanilla and chocolate protein powders delicious. I am obsessed with their glow drink. It is this new skin collagen boosting drink that tastes like raspberry lemonade. 
And you guys know I'm absolutely hooked on their healthy hot chocolate called Organifi Gold. And this is so freaking good. I literally have it at least five times a week and it curbs my sweet tooth craving at night after dinner. And it just tastes like a delicious adaptogenic healthy hot chocolate. I can't get enough of it. Those are just a few of the incredible products that Organifi offers. So if you guys want to go check it out, head to www.organifi.com forward slash Mimi. That is Organifi spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Mimi. And then use the code Mimi at checkout for 20% off absolutely anything on their website, including sale items. This is a massive discount. The quality of their products is so incredibly high and you're getting a great deal if you take advantage of that offer. So go check it out. Let me know how you enjoy their products and let's get back to the episode. How do you measure a nervous system's response to money? Like how do you know if you have no emotional attachment to it or not? I would say if play with different amounts and like if a million dollars in one 24-hour period dropped into your bank account, would you be like, would you freak out? Would you be like, holy, what am I going to do? Oh my God. Or would it be like, like brushing your teeth? Because if I told you, oh, $20 comes into your bank account, you'd be like, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Like you'd be grateful. Like, great, 20 bucks. But you're not going to be like, oh my God, $20. <laughs> so that's like, but that's a really good measure of kind of like where your system is at and where you can even start to play with receiving more amounts, where you can start to expand your nervous system and even normalize kind of larger amounts. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. also why, you know, there's that famous statistic about lottery winners who lose it all. Yeah. 86% of lottery winners lose it all within three years. It's because their nervous system wasn't actually prepared to receive such massive amounts of wealth. And so people think it would be so great to win the lottery and get $10 million. But if it's not safe in your nervous system, your outside world is going to want to match your internal world, which is your nervous right. system. If it thinks it's not safe, even if you receive the money, you're going to want to get rid of it. And that's also where we get into people, you know, I, I make money, but it's constantly going out. I make money and I manifest bills to pay or a car breaking down, or it has to go here, right? Because we're not actually safe holding it. So there's one thing safe receiving it. There's another thing safe holding it. And then of course, there's also growing it and flowing it. I noticed that it's similar on the other side of the coin, you know, for example, well, you know, I've done a lot of work on my money beliefs and I've created a lot of wealth in my life through that mindset and that energy. So when I reach a certain point that's lower than I'm comfortable with my bank account, then I feel uncomfortable. So that's kind of, it goes the other end of the coin too, right? So feeling uncomfortable with not having enough because you have like a set point of what you're expected. Uh, Is that something that, you know, tell me a bit about that. And that's a good thing, obviously, I believe, but are there bad points on feeling unaligned in that sense? There's a difference between like having, all right, I want my bank account to be generally X amount and actually going into a fight or flight response, like a worrying, a panic. You can be like, oh, you know, maybe I made some investments. I've had to pay these things. I'd like it to be a bit higher, but I'm not like freaking out that now it's lower. So those are two different things also. So, But if you're freaking out and it goes lower, it shows that you might be comfortable receiving it, but you're not as comfortable flowing it out. There might be a lack of trust that it's going to come back. Yes, right. And so that's I'm more actually, about building trust that it's going to come back. And it's going to come yeah. back tenfold as well. Like you don't just get to make that amount. It gets to come back exponentially. 
And so that's really about stretching your nervous system to play safe, to flow money. Right. Cause we all, we can receive it. We can hold it. And that's where the term flowing money comes in is like, can you flow it out? Hold that gap in that interim while it's doing its work in the universe for it to come back tenfold. And you right. know, you're a responsible human. I'm guess like you're making investments in your business. You're growing your app. You have team members. You're actually playing with more larger amounts of wealth. Right. And as your company starts to grow, becoming more comfortable with massive out and massive in. If we think about large companies like Coca-Cola, you know, they have million dollars difference quarter to quarter. So if you're getting dysregulated, you know, trouble flowing five or $10,000 difference in your bank account, but you expect to be a large company that can't have, you know, a variance Mm -hmm. of a couple million dollars, you can't hold that, right? That shows maybe we need to like strengthen those aspects as well, right? And it's obviously Mm -hmm. always a process. We're always growing to be able to hold more, grow more. And as we all grow in our money mindset, we're going to become better and better and better. So there's no shame as well. Like don't think, well, I can't, you know, be comfortable holding a million dollars or flowing a million dollars. There's no shame in that. There's like beautiful wherever you're at right now and just play with expanding it and holding it. It's so interesting. You were, you were mentioning that before about making investments and trusting the money is going to come back. Cause obviously the past especially three years of my life, I've been really building my bank account, my savings, my stock investments that are very visible and liquid. And we recently just purchased a house. And because we're not residents of you know, the UK where we purchased the home, we had to put a really big down payment. So, you know, the just amount of liquid money going into this property is so much. And that made me so uncomfortable. So I've had to work on some of these new money beliefs that have been coming into my life because of this. But I need to remember as well that this is simply just going into another bank account. Essentially, it's a house. It holds incredible value and it's just going to keep going up. And yes, I just wanted to give an example there. As much as I think that I've grown with my money mentality over the years, there's always room for improvement. So I had to do some journaling on that, do some reflection on that and really allow myself to feel settled in that decision and ultimately just feel confident in in what we're doing there. So it's interesting. We're talking about this now. I know that like as you did that, you now have that new set point. So mm-hmm. whatever like the amount of liquidity, you now can safely hold that and you got yourself through that, right? So like exactly. you said, it's, it's yeah. going to keep growing and growing. And that's like a beautiful example, like you said, of how you can like stretch yourself in a way to a new set point. And even when you talked about like having your bank account at a certain set point, once it's at a certain set point, and that's like your blueprint, quote unquote, it's very easy for you to get back to that point because you've held right. that before. So yes. it's going to be a lot easier. So even though, you know, you've liquidated enough, you made the investment in the house, that money is going to come back a lot easier than it took for it to build to the point now. And I think that's also what people think about is like, oh, I made this large investment. Maybe it took five years or three years to do this. It's going to take you a lot shorter to make that amount back again. So it's not like, well, it's going to take another three years to make that back. No, maybe it takes half a year or one Mm -hmm. year, right? Mm Because you've raised that set point. Absolutely. So aligned. The set point theory is, is something I love to talk about as well. I think it's Ed Milet that that talks about like the thermostat. I, I don't think it was him that kind of invented that whole 
Have you heard of the thermostat, the set point yeah. thermostat? So, you know, if you're at a 75 degree, uh, you know, set point with your relationship quality and like things start getting too good, like you're going to subconsciously do something to uh, potentially bring in some more issues or financially, if your set point is having $50,000 in savings in your bank account, but there is a big bill and you went down to 40, you're going to be naturally saving more till you get back to that point because we don't like to feel uncomfortable right? So such a smart kind of analogy there. And it really helps people, I think, understand. But on that note, what if someone is doing the work and they've done the mental work and they really feel like they've changed their beliefs about money, but it's just not showing up in the physical? What is going wrong there? Your beliefs are not matching your actions. So you might be journaling or affirming, you know, I am rich, I am wealthy, I have this kind of house, drive this kind of car. But the way you are being outside of that is mm-hmm. incongruence. There's like a square peg in a round hole. And that's part of the thing is people can spend, you know, 10 minutes in the morning having this beautiful journaling experience. But how do you be the rest of the day? Yeah. How are you actually interacting with the world? Because we can write all these beautiful things, but if the way you behave is from lack and scarcity, if then you go to the grocery store and you don't spend the extra dollar on the almond milk that you like, well, the version of you who you just scripted about wouldn't care about the like extra dollar on the almond milk, right? So yeah. your actions are actually not matching up. And so when your actions don't match your what you think your beliefs are in your head, you're showing the world kind of your experience or you're showing the world how to respond to you. So I would say to definitely evaluate all these little ways in terms of like the way you are being throughout your day and the way you are interacting with the world. And I guarantee you'll find some like incongruencies, some places where that's not in alignment with kind of what you say you want, your beliefs and like what you're trying to bring in and Mm -hmm. hand on heart, like every time that's what it is. And there's little things that we can like start to change in who we be throughout the day. Beautiful. All right, Liv, I want to move over to our quick fire round. But before I do so, my producer that we were doing some research on you before this, my producer said, oh, she has these Oracle cards and I really want her to pull one for you on the podcast. (laughs) Do you want to do that? Yeah, sure. I got them ready because she let me know. So are you going to pull one for Mimi specifically or for the people listening? Can we do both? Yeah, sure. Okay. That's so fun. Selfishly. I don't want to, I <laughs> I really want to know one for me, but I also don't want to spare the audience. I'll do you first. Okay. And every time we, like I do like a one for like an audience, it always like resonates. Do you know what I mean? It's always so funny how many people wow. need to hear that message when I've done it in groups. That's okay, so Mimi. Great. Yes. You have otter spirit. You are never alone, which essentially means instead of you not just like physically like delegating in life, but actually letting the universe support you versus taking it all in on yourself to try to get everything done. You're very good at taking action and like being the embodiment and doing those things. But also where can you give things like a to-do list to the universe? Where can you take things off your plate and just be like, universe, like I need you to bring me a new person for this position. I need you to bring me a new podcast person or chief of staff or whatever it is. You can still go on LinkedIn and look at resumes, but like get them to bring stuff in. Does that make sense in terms of? Yes. And it completely resonates. I don't know if you could tell, but today I've just been a bit all over the place. Like we've had to reschedule this podcast so many times, like the past few weeks has been quite hectic and like so many unexpected fires coming in with the business and the house we're buying and just so many things going on. So that definitely resonates. And 
I do tend to put everything on my own shoulders and feel like if I don't take that responsibility, then it just won't happen. So I agree. I completely agree. And that's an amazing reminder. And thank you for that. (laughs) My pleasure. When you allow like more pathways for it to come to you, like there's just more magic that can come in, right? Versus like, okay, it has to come through this way. Then you block a little bit more flow or you block Mm -hmm. that ability to stumble upon someone or have this, you know, universe take care of it for you in X, Y, Z way. Absolutely. Okay. So what about the audience? What does everyone hear? Yeah. Wasp spirit. Sometimes life stings, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I know this isn't off the bat. sounds like the most positive card, but it's actually true because what it is, is it's reminding you that life is stinging to look where it's mirroring back to you, where things need to change. So maybe that's your, you know, you're in a relationship that maybe that relationship needs to end or the dynamic needs to change your work needs to change, whether it's the company you work for or the position that you're in, where you're living. So oftentimes, and I know we've spoken about victim mentality back when you were on my podcast, we think life stings and that's something that's happening to us, not realizing that it's happening for us. And not from like a spiritual bypassing of like, every cloud has a silver lining. But actually, if we can separate ourselves and like, huh, this sting, what is it actually showing you? Where is it actually pointing me in a different direction? Where am I actually being guided to do or move or be? That's going to ultimately give you a lot more progression in your life than resisting it and being like, well, it sucks that I got fired or it sucks that this, it's definitely redirecting you. And if you can use that energy, the sting, yes, while it can sting briefly, it's a lot better than like completely getting hit by a truck. I think all of these are resonating for me personally, and I'm sure with the audience, I don't know why, but lately the universe has been feeling really like testy. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of intense energy. And I love talking to you about this, Liv, because you are amazing at balancing the spirituality with the science. And I love that about you. I love how we can just talk about the nervous system and in depth about how that works and fight or flight mode. And then we can also, you know, pull Oracle cards. So I I just, I really appreciate your perspective on all of this. And I think it's super fun and, and love, you know, everything that you're doing, but this is not even ending the podcast. I want to get into the quick fire round, but I just wanted to say that. (laughs) I appreciate that so much. All right. So quick fire round, what are the best foods for regulating our nervous system? This is going to come as a shock, and I'm going to explain why. Protein. Now, people are going to be like, protein, yeah, okay, I know I need protein. Most women do not eat enough protein. And the thing is, when we don't eat enough protein, we're not getting enough amino acids that build the neurotransmitters that allow our nervous system to be calm. So there's obviously ones that get us into fight or flight, but there are also, we need to have enough of the neurotransmitters that allow our nervous system to be calm. If we're not eating enough protein, it doesn't actually have the building blocks for those vagus nerves to work properly. And one thing I say that always shocks women is that if if you're eating two eggs for breakfast, you're probably not eating enough protein. And that's because two eggs, even if you're eating extra large eggs, at most have 14 grams of protein. That's halfway there in one meal, right? Maybe if you have a smoothie on it, great, that might make it more complete. Sure, maybe depending on the rest of your day, two eggs, you also had a lot of you know, protein the rest of the day might make up for it. But in general, most women are not getting enough protein and especially protein to start your day as well. Because when you have those neurotransmitters, again, you're going to be more resilient throughout the day. So if you can get like at least 30, 35 grams of protein throughout the day, and then at least like 100 overall, 
and this is not from like a counting kind of way. This is just be aware of you probably need a little bit more protein for your nervous system. So while that's not as fun as like some weird algae from the depths of the ocean, you know, to buy, I think that's even better that it's something you can easily do is just have more protein. Sounds simple, but has such a big effect on your nervous system. Great to know. Absolutely. What is the best mind frame to be in when making big decisions in your life? Does this expand me or does this contract me? That's a good That's the biggest thing Mm -hmm. because fear will naturally kick in even when something's expansive. And I'm sure you buying your home, there's a little bit of, ooh, but it felt expansive. Like you could feel your energy expand. There was just a little bit of maybe, maybe fear. It's like waking up on Christmas morning. You're excited, but you don't know what's happening. Like, what did Santa bring you? There's a little bit of fear, but it's mainly that expansion and excitement. If you can go in with making big decisions of, does this expand me or does this contract me? You know, if I do this, do I feel more limited? Do I feel smaller? And even notice how like your body language is, your energy, you'll notice if it gets smaller. You'll notice if you're feeling more like hunched over, your shoulders Mm -hmm. come forward versus like, wow, this feels like really good. This feels expansive, maybe a little fearful, but that's okay because that's stretching you to a new set point. Right. What is the best supplement for regulating our nervous system? B vitamins, specifically B12. A lot of people are not only deficient in B vitamins, but B vitamins are very important for nerve health. And again, when we think about our nervous system, B vitamins is something that helps your nerves actually be more resilient to stress. I do have a favorite one, which is the symbiotic one, if anyone's like curious, just because it's liposomal, so it's more bioavailable. And it's something I've seen like clinically in blood work that it actually changes it quite quickly. So B vitamins, again, I know it's not as glamorous as a allergy from the depths of the ocean, but it's required. And I think sometimes, you know, I love all the trendy things as well. What is it? CMOS gel that I think is the new trendy thing. And those things can be great, but don't forget about the essentials, right? Nail the essentials first versus worrying about fresh CMOS gel in your smoothie. What is the best hack for burnout? Ooh, and it's actually not rest. So the best hack for burnout is just plug more, like if you think about it, holes in your bucket that are burning you out so that less water leaves the bucket. So it doesn't actually necessarily mean like, yes, you want more rest and slowing down in general, but that's not actually going to reset your nervous system. What's going to reset it more is stop throwing more things on it versus slowing down. Mm, Great. Yeah, that's a really good tip. What is your definition of a delicious life? Ooh, I like this. My definition is a life that you just want to sink your teeth into. It's like that feeling when you put chocolate cake and you're like, oh my God, I just want to savor this. I don't want this you know, moment to end. It feels like that, you know, that depth that you feel when you like sink into your body and it just becomes like a full body experience. You are not just like tasting life. You are smelling life. You are feeling the textures of life. It's like all your senses are heightened. You can hear differently. You can feel things on your skin differently. And when you drop into that presence, like everything just feels so delicious. You know, a strawberry is not just a strawberry, but you experience the texture of it, those little seeds, the juiciness of it, how it hits the front of your tongue, how it hits the back of your tongue, how it slides down your throat. Like that to me is delicious. 
I love that. That's beautiful. I'm now craving strawberries. (laughs) (laughs) What makes you feel superhuman? What makes me feel superhuman, I would say, is my mindset the most. I would say having such a resilient and solid mindset that, you know, things are going to happen, but it's not, you know, whether things happen or not or trying to avoid them. It's your ability to get through them, right? When we think about feeling superhuman, it's like throw anything my way and I'm solid. Mm -hmm. Throw it my way and I'm regulated. I'm unwaverable. That to me, having a nervous system that's so steady because it's like you said, life will happen. You know, I've gone through, you know, a loss of actually, you know, two pregnancies. I've gone through like death of a family member. There's so many things that have hit my life in the last less than a year that my ability to be so regulated mm-hmm. makes me feel superhuman because it makes me feel like I can deal with anything. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. That's really tough. Okay, I have one final question for you, Liv. When you think about your future self let's say about 10 years from now, what kind of life is she living? What changes has she made? What has she manifested? Tell me about her life. So in 10 years, I will be like around 40. She has a very calm, slow living type of way. I'm not a, you know, let's run around the cities at like streets of New York type of running here, running there. It's a very slow, like she wakes up not to an alarm, she has her cup of coffee. I mean, that's similar to what I have now. I definitely see kids in the mix. You know, I do something to nourish my mind in the morning, read, meditate, go for a walk. I'm actually realizing how similar my life is right now. <laughs> There's like a beautiful house that's full of like a lot of wellness things, like a cold plunge, a sauna. I'm able to nourish my energy first and I go and lead intuitively what feels good. You know, I have my work where, you know, I help people and I serve, but nothing is forced. Nothing is from this feeling of pressure. Like I have to do everything is from overflow. Mm -hmm. Everything I experience is from overflow. I have deep presence in my life where I'm not going through my day, not even realizing what happened, but I'm actually experiencing my day and living my day versus Mm -hmm. going through it and just completely forgetting. I probably have homes in multiple places by then. Uh, I'm still with my amazing partner. Hmm, that's a good question. Ten, 10 years feels like a lot. That's a I beautiful, like lifetimes, yeah. Lifetimes can happen. And I feel like it doesn't have to be, I think when I was younger, you know, there was all these elaborate things and it's not saying I don't want elaborate things, but I just feel like I'm also kind of living it now in a lot of aspects. And so for me, it's less about, all right, like, like the perfect house and more of just like the enhancements. And I don't necessarily wait for 10 years down the road for me to experience that feeling now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But otherwise, no. yeah, it's just, uh, let's get it like enhancements, but there's nothing. I mean, I'm, I'm driving a nice car, but it's to me, it's more matter of fact than, than anything else. Right. Yeah. That's an amazing answer. So Liv, where can everyone find you on social media? The best place is obviously Instagram, keep up with Liv. And then I also have an amazing podcast if you've resonated with anything that I've talked about today and you kind of want to hear me dive deeper into topics. I give lots of like tangible things that you can implement into your day right away. That's what I like. I love doing is like, yes, we talk about concepts, but how can you actually apply it to your day? So go ahead and listen to the podcast and then come say hi over on Instagram. Amazing. All links are in the show notes as usual. Thank you so much, Liv, for coming on. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found it insightful, share it with a friend or leave us a rating and a review if you are so kind. We want to bring you more episodes like this. So if you enjoyed it, please do let us know. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.